0: You are, tuned in to episode 76. Hey, it's Davis here. Just a quick thank you to our sponsors for this podcast. Today in business, first impressions are so important. When people call you or your business, the first voice that they hear can make them form an opinion of you immediately. Instant voicemails can help with that. They provide professional, outgoing voicemail greetings in an instant. So simply go to instantvoicemails.com, pick the message that suits you and your business and download it instantly. You can have a new, professional, outgoing message in just minutes. I checked out their website and this is legit. Beautiful voicemails that you can use for your business. And for our listeners for the Business Generals podcast you can get an additional 15% off your order by using the promo code GENERALS, G-E-N-E-R-A-L-S, G-E-N-E-R-A-L-S, that's GENERALS. So order now at instantvoicemails.com, that's instantvoicemails.com. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Welcome to the show. If you have not already done so, remember to click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss an episode. This is Davis Motawa here, your host. I am super excited to bring you our feature guest today, Miss Trisha Brooke. Trisha, welcome to the Business Generals podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Davis. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, thank you for, for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Miss Tricia Brooke. In addition to working in the entertainment industry, Trisha applies her expertise as a director and writer for film, TV theatre to the arts um, of public speaking. She is the executive producer and creative director of TEDx Lincoln Square. She's also the host of the Big Talk podcast on iTunes, interviewing people who talk for a living. And uh, she's been a founder of a couple of projects and entrepreneurial businesses. So really excited to get into your story. Tricia, kick us off. Let us know who's Tricia outside of business.
1: Well, I live in New York City with my husband and my two cats, and I love the work I do. I'm so fortunate to be able to give my expertise to the arts and to business and to public speakers. So I'm super excited to talk to you about that today, Davis.
0: Awesome. Well, I know um, you're into lots of public speaking events, and um, I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about your your TEDx platform. But um, maybe just uh, give us a little bit about your background Regarding business, you know, how long have you been full time in business for yourself, Tricia?
1: Sure. I have owned a company for over 26 years. I moved to New York City from Missouri to pursue a dance career and had no interest in being a starving artist. So I was looking around at, okay, what's possible? I could wait tables, I could be a massage therapist. And then I thought, wait a minute, I could start a fitness company, and then hire people to work for me. So when I go on the road, I'm still making money. And that's exactly what I did. I started Brook Moves Elite In-Home Personal Training over 26 years ago. We are still going strong. I have a team of... 15 incredible trainers. I have about 25 clients, 10 of which have been with me since the beginning. I just brought a personal chef onto the team. So now we're offering that service. And it has enabled me to pursue a creative life outside of business. In addition, it's given me the opportunity to create a new business, The Big Talk.
0: Mm -hmm. So you've been running that for 26 years. And has that been... Full-time almost, other than your other work, or 50-50 or something like that?
1: Brooke Moves has been my primary income for the last 26 years, absolutely. It's enabled me to pay all my bills, to be able to not live the life of a starving artist, and (laughs) it's been able to help me produce theatre. So when I want to write a new show and direct and choreograph a new piece, Brooke Moves has been able to subsidize and produce the art that I want to make. So it has absolutely been my primary income and it's full-time and I have a great team and I have assistants. So full-time for my team, part-time for me so I can pursue other things. And that's why owning your own business is such an amazing experience.
0: Yeah. And you talk about the concept of a starving artists. Do you see that a lot in your industry?
1: I do see that a lot in my industry. And I also see that artists feel unworthy of making money. If they make Mm. money, they then feel that they're selling out and that they're not truly artists. I disagree with that 100%. We as artists deserve to be paid for what we're worth. We deserve to have money. We deserve to create art simultaneously. So anybody out there who's listening, you are not giving up your artist soul by taking a big fat paycheck. <laughs> I encourage you to do, <laughs> I encourage you to do both. Cash your check and make your art. They can exist simultaneously.
0: What was the first sort of um, decent gig that you got that made you believe that you can actually do the artist thing for a long time?
1: I was working with Lucinda Childs, and it was my first big European tour. So what I loved about that experience was I was getting a weekly paycheck to do what I loved, tour, Mm. dance, be a full-time artist, while Brooke Moves was still bringing in money. So I have this experience of, wow, I've created my company to run basically on its own. I've got my team in place. I'm asleep in Europe while I'm making money. Now I'm awake in Europe and I'm making money. So that was the first big thing for me where I knew I could make a living as an artist, but I was still making my living as a businesswoman. So that's another thing I would love to share with your listeners Once you pursue and achieve what your goal is, do not let go of that business. Do not think that you have to choose. You can maintain both and you can maintain them both equally as well. If I had thought to myself, oh, now I'm a dancer. I don't have to worry about my business. I would be a starving artist. I always Mm -hmm. knew that I could pursue both. I could be a full-time artist and I could honor and give value to the business side of my life.
0: I love it. Most artists, most people would go and, you know, study, which I'm, 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 I'm assuming you went and studied your your craft. And then after getting out of school, you would go and get a, a job to pursue your career um, in the artist world. You know, you're waiting for that, that those sort of um, big, big contracts to come through. Um, and then most people just go and do, you know, wait tables. But you've gone and done something quite different. You've gone on the entrepreneurial route. What brought that sort of direction about for you? <laughs>
1: Well, I love that you say most people are waiting for their big artist contract. That is something you should avoid at all costs. Stop waiting. Start creating your art. Start creating your business. Because if you wait for someone else to do it for you, you will spend your entire life waiting. So get busy. Create art no matter where it is, no matter what it is. Keep your your. Artist muscle flexing and find a way to make money that is on your own terms. So I would say that I decided early on that I was going to live the life the way I wanted to. And that was not poor. That was not waiting for gigs to find me. It was proactive. It was mindful. It was the way that I wanted to work in my life. So the way I run my business is very mindful. It's very kind. I. Allow my trainers to take time off anytime they want with no questions asked. I've got an incredible team. So they take time off whenever they want and the other trainers sub for them. And because they're such a a, a wonderful group of human beings, I've created this business to run in a very mindful way, if that makes sense.
0: Very interesting. Let's talk a little bit more about your about that business. How how was your first couple of days or months into that business so the idea has come about how did you get started
1: I got started by rolling up my sleeves and working really hard and training all of the clients myself so I was getting up at 4:30 in the morning sometimes I didn't know if it was night or day because I was so tired mm. from working and then dancing and then performing but you have to dig in you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to do the work so I was training all of my clients myself at first and then once I realized that I could hire a team member to take on some of the work, I created a system where I would always be involved. I would know what was happening, but I wasn't actually being the person in the room. So my commute lessened. My time was spent doing other things. And that's what I would say to new entrepreneurs. You have to create a solid foundation first and then... You can back off and do the other things that you want mm. to do so i really just rolled up my sleeves and did everything myself and once i realized that i could hire other people i had to a trust b let go and c make sure that the systems were in place so that the business ran uh, efficiently
0: and and why did you choose personal training in the first instance
1: it was so organically connected to my life as a dancer. I understood the body. Mm-hmm. It was I. It was very easy for me to get certified. Uh, it was something that was directly related to what I was doing. And I realized that there was a huge market for it in New York City. People pay you to work them out here. So it was being aware of, okay, this is a niche that I can get into and make a lot of money. Now, this market is incredibly saturated right now, and this is 26 years later, which is why when I started the big talk, which is working with public speakers – I found my second niche. It's a massive market. People want to talk. They want to do public speaking. They want to do keynotes. They want to do TEDx. So I feel very fortunate that all these years later, I have now created a new business in a new market niche that is not saturated yet. I'm really excited about being in this in this place.
0: So talk to us about niching. Um, what does that do for your business, do you think?
1: If you can find something that you are expert at... And, or if you know you are expert at something, create a groove, a niche for people who need what you are offering. So for example, like I said, the the personal training market is completely saturated right now. There are a million Mm. trainers in New York City. It's very hard to rise to the top because there's so many people who are doing this. If you are creating an organic social media platform that is specific to being mindful and vegan, for example, that's a niche, so you have to get really specific in what it is you are offering and find those people who want what it is you are selling.
0: I want, to, I want to draw some parallels. So you've just launched a new niche, the big talk, and people want to speak, people speak for a living, and everybody's pretty excited about this. Um, I want to compare the way you got your first customer 26 years ago in, in personal training and the way you got your first customer or your first couple of customers in, your new, in the big talk space. What are the parallels? What what hasn't changed in principle and what can we learn from your story?
1: I love this question, Davis. Honestly, I was myself. I was myself 26 years ago when I talked to a client mm. about how I could help change their life. And I was myself a year ago when I started the big talk and I talked to a potential speaker about how I could change their life. My goal in the world is to help people become their best selves, to live bigger lives, and to create what they want in their worlds. And whether it's getting somebody to become fit and healthy or getting somebody to share their message with the world, those two things are exactly the same for me. So I approached both of these clients with honesty, integrity, and sharing that I would be their biggest cheerleader and I would get them across the finish line.
0: I love that. So just being your authentic self and having a bigger purpose to serve your clients.
1: Definitely. Most definitely.
0: And what's been your growth strategy for the big talk?
1: This is a great question, too, because I had never advertised for my fitness company. It was all word of mouth for 26 years. I did not have a Facebook page. We did zero marketing. And when I started the big talk, that was not an option. So I hired a marketing strategist and a visibility strategist because at that point I had a website that was coming up. I did not know what leveraging credibility was. I did not know what an opt-in was. I was way behind as far as what the entrepreneurial world is. So I hired people who knew more than me and it was off to the races. As soon as I started learning what I was supposed to do, I did it. I wasn't afraid to do it. I didn't hold back. I wasn't worried about making a mistake because I could fix the mistake. I was worried about doing it as fast as I could because I knew This was an exciting opportunity to work with speakers. I work with actors all the time, but being able to work with speakers and help them share their message blew my mind and I wanted it to happen now. So I hired the right people to help me set up a sales funnel, to help me set up marketing, to help me set up a Facebook page and all of my social media. And from there, the clients started coming. And it has exploded in the last year. I have one hundred and twenty six episodes of the Big Talk. I have an online course that's actually starting today. I'm doing mm-hmm. events. I'm doing I became a TEDx organizer. So really, what I learned was go all in.
0: Go all in, I love that. Um, what is the big talk?
1: The Big Talk, my company, is a place where people can learn to identify craft, and deliver life-changing talks. I work with speakers who want to create keynotes. I work with speakers who want to get on a TEDx stage. I work with speakers who have a signature talk that is no longer serving them. I work with speakers who want to get on bigger platforms to get bigger paychecks. So I really help the speaker like I do an actor. And make sure that what they're saying is something that we are hearing. I dramaturg and analyze their scripts. I work with them on mining new ideas. Many speakers come to me with what they think is their big idea. And after an active mm. listening session, we realize actually there's more there. It's deeper. It's bigger. It's much more personal. And then we create the script. We create the talk. And then we take to the third stage, which is delivering it. I work with the speakers just like actors. We get in the room. I get them to be truthful. I get them to stop pretending like they're talking to me and have a conversation with the world about their message.
0: I love that. I interviewed um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Nelson Dellis, and he is a USA memory champion. And he did a TEDx talk probably two years ago, which was his big talk at the time. And he said to me, that shifted his business, that shifted a lot of inquiries, inbound inquiries regarding him becoming a speaker. He, he had studied to become a computer scientist and then he, he challenged himself to become a memory athlete. And so his whole career has now shifted into becoming this memory consultant and a speaker. So I want to talk to you about your career. You've shifted from being um, a an artist, a dancer, a choreographer, to now helping people speak on, on a big stage and creating these um, sort of big talks and big incomes, getting paid well to speak. How did you manage that transition? And do you think you're still doing the, the thing that you set out to do 26 years ago in your life?
1: I absolutely think I'm doing the thing I set out to do because ultimately I'm an artist. And I approach these speakers and these keynotes and these big talks from the same point of view, as I approach a script, a play, a sitcom, I see the world through my eyes and that is an artist's eyes. So when I'm working with a speaker, I work with them just like I would a performer or an actor. And I theatricalize their talk. I theatricalize their performance. I am working with them in a way that is like I said, through my eyes, through my point of view. So the the transition has been completely organic. I don't even feel like it's a transition. It's the same exact thing for me with a different platform.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, what I just wrote down here, you see it in your eyes. And I think it speaks a lot to just being authentic because we all have a, a view of how we see life that is unique to ourselves. And if you can help someone else see that view uh, and present a, bi- a bigger picture of, of of their story, I think that starts to to shift what they're trying to do as well. Um, concerning your story and creating this uh, new business over the one year that you've been in it, walk us through what's happened, how it started, and where you are today.
1: Sure. One year ago, actually it was August, so it's a little more than a year ago, I had lunch with Jamie Broderick, a, vis- a visibility strategist who runs an organization called Success Connection. It's a networking community. And Mm. we sat down together because I had just directed Petra Kolber's TEDx Syracuse. She was a fan of my work and she approached me and said, I'm doing a TEDx. I need direction. I need help on my script. So I thought, great, that sounds fun. So I worked with her. It was a huge success. I loved it. And I didn't think a thing of it. She planted the seed by saying, you're really good at this. Nobody approaches things like you do. You should, you should do this. And I'm going to connect you with a woman who might be able to introduce you to people that you could work with. So Mm -hmm. I had lunch with Jamie Broderick. We're talking about her organization. We're talking about what she does with her clients. And by the end of lunch, I hired her to work with me for three months on creating a strategy for the big talk. And that included making sure the website had opt-ins, making sure the SEO was all right, making sure I had a LinkedIn profile, a Facebook page. I was on social media. And she introduced me to several people who might be interested in working with public speaking coach. So from there, she had me on a call with John Lee Dumas from EO Fire. And I said, John, I don't know what I can do to create credibility. And he said, Do a few podcasts, do three podcasts, talk about your process, throw them up on iTunes and maybe you'll get some hits. Well, I did 20 podcasts. I created the big talk. Mm -hmm. I did 20 podcasts and then loved it, continued to have the podcast be part of my brand. And then I started working with speakers. I was working with speakers who I adored. I loved their stories. I loved being able to help them get clear on their message And I realized, I want to put them on a stage. I'm a theater producer. What kind of piece can I produce? So I applied to TEDx for my license. And at that point, I got my license. I became the TEDx Lincoln Square organizer. And I was able to give a couple of my speakers a platform. So it was a very strategic and fast-paced move in the direction that I wanted. I had help. I created my podcast for credibility. I got visibility through somebody that I hired, Jamie Broderick. I started working with speakers and then I I gave myself a platform to put my speakers on. And at that point, I realized this business needs to grow. I need to be able to work with people outside of New York City. I need to work with people who are not able to work with me one-on-one. So then I brought in Cass McCrory and we created an online course Because I want to be able, I know this process works. So I want to be able to share it with as many people as possible. So in addition to the online course, I'm doing an event. It's a weekend intensive. So it has been fast paced, full throttle. And it's because I believe in what I'm doing. It's very organic. It's natural. It's exactly the same as being an artist. I just happen to have a business platform that I'm doing it on now.
0: Okay. You have... Screamed past a lot of things that I was scribbling. So I want to take you back one at a time. <laughs> you've talked um, about a couple of very interesting things to me. And I think somebody listening will, will appreciate this. You've hired some mentors, some specialists who've helped you create a strategy. But before that, you've, you've helped or worked with, with Petra. And I'm, I don't know whether that was just out of goodwill or there was some arrangement that you had there, but that was kind of the door opener for you. And you paid attention to the feedback. So, I think that was very important. But then they made um, a couple of introductions. So, how important are introductions in business that you've found in the last 26 years?
1: It's everything. Business is introductions, business is relationships. If you are on LinkedIn and you connect with someone and immediately sell something to them, that's not a relationship. Rel- I hate that. <laughs> relationships and introductions are everything. And I believe that if you can be open to who you are introduced to without having any expectations, that will lead you somewhere. I never have expectations that I'm going to land a client. I never have expectations that I'm going to meet a speaker. I simply have expectations that the right people are going to cross my path. And for what reason, I don't know yet. So I have to stay open to that.
0: Yeah, I was listening to you speak, and you said, you know, um, Petra made some introductions, and um, I don't know whether they introduced you to to Jamie, and then Jamie introduced you to to John Lee Dumas, and then he he mentioned, you know, go and start a podcast. So it's just a series of events that, like like you said at the beginning, was very organic, and part of it was very strategic. So I want to step into the podcast world because this is my world as well, like yourself. So. EO Fire, massive podcast, massive following. John Lee Dumas, very respected in the industry. So he says to you, do a couple of podcasts. What was the point of all of that? And what did you do in those first twenty podcasts that helped you?
1: I didn't know what I was doing first. Let me just say that, um, and that's hmm. sort of how I've lived my entire life. I don't have, I don't know how to do many things. But what I do is I figure it out. I do the research. I hire the people Mm. or I ask for help. So when he suggested I do a few podcasts, you know, I'm a performer. I know how to write. I know how to execute. I know how to present myself. That was the easy part. Figuring out what an RSS feed was, figuring out what kind of platform I was going to have, learning that I needed to have intro music, outro music, and that I needed to sell something in the middle (laughs) or or give away something (laughs) for free in the middle. This was all brand new to me. So I, through trial and error, And through Jamie's feedback on my copy, started writing these podcasts. And I didn't know I had to have a call to action at the end. She's the one who told me that. I didn't know you Mm -hmm. had to tell people, you can find me here. That was all very new. As an artist, we're not taught to sell ourselves. We're taught to share our work. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was an opportunity to share my work. But what she taught me was, and sell yourself. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. You can share your work and sell yourself simultaneously when done correctly. So the podcast was all about, okay, how can I do this right? How can I do this at the level that I like to work? I'm going to work with a sound engineer. I don't know how to edit. I'm going to work with someone who does. I'm going to go to a booth. Mm -hmm. So it sounds really good. I'm going to edit all the ums out because I don't want my listeners to have to sit through that. (laughs) And I wrote 20 podcasts. I recorded them all in batch and I, I dropped them all. I put them all on uh, Libsyn right away, recorded all of them, edited them, wrote the show notes and loved it and decided I want to do 20 more. And then I switched Mm. the season. So the first 20 are me talking about the process, but because I loved it, I wanted to continue. So I created another season, which was me interviewing people. So, for me, it was trial and error. I made a huge mistake in my first 20 episodes because I decided to put them on a platform that was free. Huge mistake. I could not get them off of that platform onto mm. a better platform. They were holding them hostage and it was a nightmare. So I finally got a hold of somebody and he said, no, you, you have to leave them here or you can just shut it down, lose all of your subscribers and start over. So I'd like to just share with with your listeners, I made a huge mistake. We all make mistakes when we're learning and it's absolutely fine. And we learn from our mistakes. And that was a big thing that I learned from. Just because it's a free platform does not mean it's going to serve your business well. Do the research, ask people who have podcasts where they are, where their platform is, where they're hosted and really do some background research on what it is you're doing. I was just so excited to get this all out there that I didn't take my time and save myself a huge headache.
0: Okay. You've just spoken about my, my next question, which is interesting because of the way you've ended your last comment. Um, starting before things are perfect. How do you balance that in your ventures that you've started?
1: <laughs> I think you should always start before things are perfect because they're never going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you can do a little bit more research than you think you should, it will save you time and money in the end. And I don't think mm. you should slow yourself down or use that as an excuse. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. It's not right. I want to hire somebody, but I don't have the, the the funds for it right now. Those are excuses. You don't need the funds. You just need to do it. And if you make a mistake, you can fix it. And that was my biggest fear with social media. I'd never had a Facebook page. I'd never tweeted, I'd never posted anything on Instagram. I was a very private artist that shared what I wanted when I wanted on the stage and you had to pay to see it. (laughs) So Mm. when I realized that social media is everything with your relationships, with your business, I had to let go of being perfect. Oops, I spelled that wrong. I'll correct it tomorrow. Oops, that, (laughs) that picture doesn't look so great. I'll correct it tomorrow. Or, oh my gosh, I wrote the word Something instead of something. It it happens. We're all human beings. You can correct it. So if you can let go of the fear of being judged, which here's another thing I want to share with you, Davis, you will be judged. The second you decide to be out there, just accept that you're going to be judged and let it roll off.
0: It's interesting you talk about being judged. I was following a podcast there and uh, it's, oh no, podcasts are free and he's, he's got like 300 episodes and lots of raving fans, five-star reviews. And then I saw this one review and he was just, his show was being bagged and bagged. And I was like, dude, you don't even pay for this podcast. Just don't listen to it if you don't like it. Don't go and leave a one-star review. But you're right, people will judge and they can get pretty... You know, pretty animated about it depending on how they feel. So.
1: Yes. And everybody has their opinion. It's just really important that we as the artists and we as the entrepreneurs trust that what our message is is important and it doesn't matter what any else, anybody else thinks.
0: Now, you're a mentor and you're a specialist at what you do and you're helping people out. You've invested in mentors. G- give me a, a perspective of when you were starting the big talk. Um, I'm not sure how open you are to share, but you know, are, are you investing? You know, thousands of dollars, or hundreds of dollars, or, or multiple thousands of dollars to to get your strategies and your your, your the things that you're not um, sure of at the beginning in order to get that right.
1: This is a great question, and I'm I'm really glad you asked because I do believe that you can invest in mentors financially, the right mentors, and you can also invest in mentors who are not requiring payment and mentors like your friends or people who are are interested in giving you guidance. So I, I mm. do both. I hired Jamie Broderick of Success Connection for uh, $3,000 and it was for three months. Mm. And I thought that that was money well spent because I'm telling you, I worked her for every second of every day for those three months because I had questions like, how do I log into LinkedIn? Like that's where I was in this process, Davis. So she really, yes, yes. <laughs> so I have had a that's
0: good, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah. I have a, ma- a massive learning curve in the last year. I literally did not know anything. I had a very successful mm. business because the product was good. I did not have a very mm. successful business because I was using a marketing strategy. So I wanted to change that with the big talk. So the other thing I did was I asked people, will you listen to my podcast? Will you give me feedback? Will you look at these pictures? Will you give me feedback? That's all free stuff. You ask your friends, you ask Mm. people you trust to give you feedback on your website, to give you feedback on your copy and make sure you ask them to be honest. Do not ask people who are just going to yes you. That's not helpful. So I do think that you can hire mentors who know more than you. You can also ask mentors who know more than you. They're both valid.
0: And when you launched out, you know, after you've hired the mentor, you've got the strategic lessons and you've you finally launched, you've, chucked, you know, you've put out your 20 episodes. Um, what did the podcast do for you right at the beginning or in, that, in those first couple of months?
1: The podcast gave people an opportunity to find out what I did. You know, it's sort of this ambiguous, you direct public speakers. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you listen to the first 20 episodes of The Big Talk, you'll know exactly what that means because I talk about intention. I talk about authenticity. I talk about the writing process. I talk about just getting up in the morning. You know, getting up, sit yourself down in front of the computer for 10 minutes every day and something will happen to the page. So I really talk about the nuts and bolts of how to write a speech and how to give a speech. Um, So it gave people an opportunity to get to know me as an artist and as a director of public speaking.
0: And how long were these um, episodes?
1: The first 20 were five to seven minutes long. And that was another thing that I learned. Those are short.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> mine's like an hour so you're like oh, that's a bit short
1: <laughs> yes they're short and sweet but since then i have realized this is also something i learned davis is that my podcasts are really really packed with content they're very dense so mm. And that's who I am as an artist. I I don't need to go on for 30 minutes about something that I can say in five. And that's also how I work with my speakers. Like, let's edit this. You've said it three times. We only need to say it once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) People can rewind.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's right.
0: I love it. I'm loving this. Thanks for sharing your heart here. Um, So when you've started to coach the speakers, um, how did you get your first paid speaker?
1: I was on a call with Success Connection, this networking organization that Jamie runs and one of her members I had I had I was not a member one of her members was on the call with us and she said, you know I'm I want to do a TEDx And I said, well maybe you give me a call we'll talk about it I was not yet mm-hmm. a TEDx presenter a TEDx organizer. So we got on a phone call and I said, you know I love what your message is She has been talking for the last 16 years about rare eye disease. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's let's meet. We'll do a, a an active listening session and we'll talk about what the potential is for your talk. And if it's something you want to continue, we'll do it. So we met, we talked. And by the end of our active listening session, which is what I do with all of my speakers, it's the first thing we do. I listen and then I shine back on them. I reflect back onto them what they've just shared with me. So I said to mm-hmm. Kristen, your talk is not actually about raising awareness or finding a cure or raising money for the rare eye disease community. It's about how you learn to see the world differently through the eyes of your children. And her mind was blown. And I think Mm. for the first time she realized I can talk about this from a point of view, from her point of view and help other parents learn that their lives are not going to be over because of this challenge that they're actually going to expand because of it. And that was my first client.
0: That's very interesting. Before I pause, I want to ask you, how do you get that? Is that just a, an innate gifting in you to be able to, you know, read between the lines and draw out that big idea?
1: Yes. I have to say that I am a, an incredible listener. I'm a really uh, – I'm very intuitive. I'm very honest. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> you know, mid Midwest people – what you see is what you get. So I'm I'm really, I'm very blessed that I can read between the lines. So yes, I definitely think it's a, it's a unique gift that I've been given.
0: That's, I love it. I love it. And we're going to continue. I just want to pause for a quick second and just let all our listeners know that um, we're preparing a show highlight reel, a PDF show highlight reel for free. And you can go to businessgenerals.com forward slash Tricia B to get um, everything that we're talking about here to understand in more detail about all the steps that trisha has gone through to build the businesses that she has built now trisha back to your story at the beginning of your speaking um coaching did you do free and then move on to paid with christine or was christine the first coaching that you basically did after petra's coaching
1: Petra was free. Petra and I were friends. It was fun for me. I loved it. I wanted to do anything I could to support her. And I continue, I will do anything to continue to support her amazing work. Kristen was my first paid client. Yes. And from there, I have had, I've had seven paid clients and it continues to grow. It's kind of amazing.
0: You said to me, you decided you're going to create a platform, build a platform. Some people might just wait for a platform. Now you already had a podcast that could have been a platform, but you wanted something I guess more theatrical, more live. So you said I'm going to start be- I'm going to become a-, a TEDx organizer. I didn't even know you could apply to do that. I thought it was just the head office of TEDx that do that. So talk to us about that process.
1: Sure. When I decided I wanted to create an event to give speakers a platform. I looked into TEDx and they have a very extensive uh, audition, (laughs) the application process. I call it an audition. So I applied and the first first application, they, they emailed me back and they were like, almost not quite. But they don't tell you what not quite means. It's amazing. It's like this mm. mysterious, crazy, and they're extremely supportive, but they're very mysterious. So I did. I went back and I tried again and they're like almost closer, still not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, OK, I got to get into the minds of TEDx. And I knew what TEDx and TED was. I, I know it's an idea we're spreading. I know how important the message is. I know it's not political. I know it's not a platform for pitching your business. I know all of this. It's a gift, not an ask. I know what TEDx and TED is. So I finally cracked the the mystery, the code. I finally cracked the code, Davis. And right in the middle of November before Thanksgiving, I got the email. You are now the proud owner of TEDx Lincoln Square. And it all is Mm -hmm. about choosing a location that's community based, choosing a name that's based on your community that someone else already doesn't already have. Choosing and uh, sharing with the organize, the organization what kind of talks you want, making sure that they, they're diverse, making sure they hit all kinds of topics. So I, I love the organization. I love the community. I spent uh, September – no, it was in June, I think, June here in New York City, there was the first TED Fest And it was 500 TEDx organizers from all over the world. We all descended upon Dumbo and spent Mm. the weekend together. And it was incredible. So I got to meet the people who are behind the scenes. I got to meet other TEDx organizers. And it's really a community of like-minded human beings who want to make a difference in the world. So I would suggest to anybody listening, if you want to give speakers a platform or create a community within your community community. Do it. Apply. Um, The TEDx organization is incredibly supportive. They, however, do not produce anybody's TEDx event. It is all on you. So Mm -hmm. part of my responsibility as a TEDx organizer is to raise the money to hire the vet, to, to rent the venue, to make sure everybody has microphones, to hire the videographer, to make sure there's editing, to hire the lighting designer, to rent the microphones, all of that. So it's important to know that if you do become a TEDx organizer, the Production is on you.
0: And what what um, what are the key things? Is the venue a big thing? Is that what costs quite a bit of money, do you think? or
1: I don't it, – it sort of depends. You can't – many people will donate spaces for the mm. event because TEDx and TED, they're non-for-profit organizations. So being involved in a TEDx is – cachet enough for people to want to donate their time and their spaces. Um, The thing that you want to make sure that you do if you have an event is you want to make sure that the sound quality, the lighting and the video is top notch, because if it's not, your talks will not go up on the YouTube channel. TEDx (laughs) and TED decides who to post. So if they are not good quality, you're not going to get posted, and that would be so sad for your speakers. So make sure yeah. that you invest in good quality sound and video.
0: So has it been automatic? No, I don't know automatic, but all your speakers do. And then once they go up on YouTube, do they automatically get um, like a hundred thousand views, a million views, or does it does it depend on the speech?
1: It depends on the speech, but it's it. They're all getting a lot of views I think that as a, for your business getting onto the TEDx stage takes you to the next level it opens doors I mean people call me back because I'm a TEDx because I'm executive producer of TEDx Lincoln Square um, it's it's something that lev- that absolutely up levels your credibility whether or not you have a hundred million views or not that now goes on your resume so for example mm. I cast a crumper for my event, because I believe that crumping is a language. And I wanted him to talk about it in that form while dancing. And there's never been a crumper on a TEDx stage before. So he got tons of hits and he's a dancer, he's a performer. So he's not being Mm. asked to give keynotes, but what he does have now on his resume is TEDx speaker. And that's very cool. So when he's going to auditions, people ask him, what does that mean? You're a TEDx speaker. He's like, yeah, I did TEDx Lincoln Square.
0: (laughs) I don't even know what a crumper is, to be honest. So some dance moves.
1: Crumping is an urban art form that looks like it's very violent, but it is incredibly poetic. I'm secretly obsessed with crumping and uh, fancy myself part of the crump fam. (laughs) And I loved him. (laughs) He was one of my teachers. I studied crumping with him. And as soon as I had my light, my TEDx license, I called him up and I said, I want to put you on the TEDx stage because I think you have something really important to say. And it's unique. And I want people to hear it.
0: Love it. Give me a quick genesis of TEDx. Ted, What? Did, how did it all start? And what is it about in general? Just quickly.
1: TEDx started, I think, about 15 years ago. Ted's, Chris Anderson is the curator and executive producer of TED. and and TEDx is the sort of uh, franchise of TED. So it's an opportunity yep. uh, to – Jay Harati. Jay Harati is the uh, curator and executive producer of TEDx. So it, TEDx mm-hmm. is the franchise of TED. And the reason they started TEDx is to give communities an opportunity to – Give speakers a chance to speak. So it's really the most amazing thing because TEDx has grown exponentially in the last 10 years. And mm. people, people who want to share ideas we're spreading, they get to. So and it's also smaller in size, so we can reach more people, more people can attend. It happens more frequently. So there's TEDx or there's TEDx events happening all over the country, all over the world simultaneously. So you could Google TEDx in your community. For example, there's a TEDx NYU tomorrow in New York City. Mm. So if you Googled TEDx in your community, you could go see a TEDx. The TED organization is much bigger and it happens once or twice a year. So that's sort of the genesis of TED and TEDx.
0: Okay. Love it. I always got confused in TED. TEDx, we're we talking about the same guy or a different group, but um, that's good. Thanks for the explanation.
1: Yes, they're they're directly um, related, but they're sort of like a TEDx is the franchise of TED.
0: <laughs> yeah, got it. Now you've created an online course. What's that about?
1: The Art of the Big Talk is an online course where I take you through seven weeks of identifying ideas and crafting a life changing talk. So, in order to share this process with people, I Hmm. recorded audio files. I recorded MP3s of me talking you through the process so that you can take your time. You can experience what it means to mind for ideas. I teach you how to write without judgment. I teach you how to write without editing. I teach you how to create an opening and a closing, which is different than an introduction and a conclusion. I teach you about the different styles. And by the end of this experience, you've got a first draft of a life-changing talk. And it's all
0: remote. And you've worked with somebody else in developing that course. Why?
1: Because I have no idea how the cloud works. I have no idea where the sound files live. I have no idea how the emails appear in everyone's inbox every morning. (laughs) So I hired somebody to make that magic happen for me. I'm the creator. I'm the artist. I'm the person sharing my ideas. I'm not the expert in all that technical stuff. And I would have wasted a lot of time trying to figure out how to be that expert. So I hired the amazing Cass McCrory and her team at Capra strategy to create this online course with me and What's been so great about it is I've learned so much by not Mm. learning how to do it. And if that makes any Mm. sense, I've been observing how she does it and I've learned that what works and what doesn't. But I also I don't have to waste precious time on figuring out where the cloud is, how the emails go out. I've got a team who I I trust to do that so I can continue to be creative, so I can continue to record the, the podcast, so I can continue to produce TEDx Lincoln Square. It's important to me that I'm continuing to produce. And if creating an online course was going to stop me in my tracks, it wasn't the right thing. So I hired somebody to do all the work so I could continue my forward momentum.
0: That's just a whole ton of wisdom that you just shared there, and that's the reason why I asked that question because I had a feeling that you you found an expert in that niche once again, and you said, "I want somebody who knows what they're doing, and I know my strengths. I'm going to focus on that, which is like you said, being a creator, being a producer." Um, I just want to know a little bit about the mechanics of your of that of that. Are you is that? A paid hire or is that like a joint venture revenue share? Can you share a bit more about that?
1: Sure. It's a great question. When I first hired Cass, it was a flat fee to create an online course. But because I loved what she was doing and I kept asking for more, I was like, I need help with this. I need help with this. Can you look over this copy? I realized I was, I was sort of getting a lot more for my, for my fee. So I said, Cass, listen, I need to hire you. Let's work together. Ongoing. I need mm. you to be in my, I need you to be on my team. So at that point we decided to work with a monthly fee. So that's how I hired her. So she's like, she's sort of like a consultant with me now and anything and everything I need, I call her up, I ask her, she helps me. So I now have a consultant on my team who does all of that for me and for the big talk. And that includes website, that includes social media, uh, that includes paid Facebook ads and um, Everything and anything I don't want to spend my time doing, she does.
0: I love your philosophy. How, how do you um, navigate the return on the investment for your business?
1: That's a great question. Because Brooke Moves is so successful, I can have a little bit more output for the big talk because I have another company mm. that enables me to afford it. So I'm very lucky that I've I've got my my solid business for the last 26 years that is really it brings in consistent revenue every month. And so the big talk just starting out, I'm sort of revving up and so I can I can extend myself a little bit further with the big talk than I would if I was just working with the big talk. So I'm lucky in that way. I have two companies and the my first company enables me to spend a little bit more on my second company at this moment.
0: Okay. Let's go back into your course. Why should somebody seriously think about creating a big talk?
1: Not only will taking the stage with your message, credibility along with your brand, it will give people an opportunity to get to know you. So like trust. All of that is important with your business. If they see you talking about your message and they see how passionate you are and they see that you've put the time and the effort into creating a really good signature talk, there's a million people who take the stage and who talk and it's not good. I'm talking about a really good signature talk. If Mm. you invest in yourself and you invest in a talk, you can sell that talk. You can pitch yourself to event organizers I have a talk, let's say, I just worked with the speaker on how to engage, how to get more donor engagement by using empathy. He created Mm -hmm. this signature talk about using empathy to create more donor engagement. And that talk now is going to be all over the country at different philanthropy organizations. We created one talk. So that one talk that he paid one fee for is going to get him Mm -hmm. paid over and over again. That's why creating one signature talk is excellent for your business.
0: Now, in that example, I love examples on this show. Are we talking about sort of um, put it onto a DVD or they're going to be physically traveling to speak?
1: Physically traveling to speak. Because he has this signature talk and everybody knows that he has this signature talk. And this is the incredible Chris Shembro, by the way, who is also doing TEDx Hilton Head in two weeks. Mm-hmm. He created a signature talk on how empathy creates better donor engagement. And because the talk was so successful and it's such an interesting way of looking at how to get people to donate, don't ask them for money, create empathy, create empathy in their environment, create empathy in their, in their organizations and they will want to donate. Because this talk was so successful, many other organizations that are looking for donors are gonna bring him in to mm. talk about it. So yes, it's all about you traveling, you asking for big speaking fees and taking the stages and up-leveling your game.
0: Two questions. Number one, what's a big speaking fee? So I've become this brilliant speaker. Am I talking one grand, five grand, 20 grand, 100 grand?
1: It varies, but you you shouldn't take less than five grand. You should start at five grand per speaking gig. And that's like a 30 to 40 minute speech. Not bad.
0: Not bad. I, I love that you didn't dodge that one. Thank you for sharing that. Number two. Why would people pay... This, the the student that you've just mentioned in that example and not just watch his video.
1: Oh, because when you are in the room with somebody and you are directly relating to them and you can see their eyes and you can feel their body language and you can you can see that the message you are sharing is going straight into their soul, there is nothing like it. You want to be in the same room with people who are sharing their very important message because it saturates you and it potentially gets you to adopt their idea as your own and then you leave that room changed there's nothing like it
0: oh my goodness you we just went theatrical on us <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing I love that passion I could tell you love this stuff hey we have run out of time I've got two more questions for you um what is the best way for people to connect with you um and reach out to you
1: you can find me at theartofthebigtalk.com I'm on Facebook and Twitter your big talk NYC, and Trisha Brooke, The Big Talk on Facebook.
0: We're going to link all of that up in our show notes. And remember, you can get that free PDF highlight Real. Trisha. One more thing, Pitch Anything. What is that about?
1: Pitch Anything is one of my favorite books by Orrin Klaff. And it's all about learning to own the frame in your in your pitch meeting. So when you walk into a meeting and you're going to pitch your business or you're going to pitch your idea, you should walk in knowing that what you have to sell to them, they can't say no to. That's why I love this book.
0: Awesome. That was Trisha's favorite book in terms of something that an entrepreneur can read. Now, my last question, my very last question. Thank you so much for being on this show. Really appreciate all the wisdom that you have shared. I'm sure we're going to catch up again sometime. But Do you think about legacy when all is said and done? What legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why?
1: This question is so important to me because I really do want to leave something behind. I I want to be remembered for being kind and generous and for bringing out the best in people. And I always talk about living a big life. So I want people to feel Mm. that because of their relationship with me in business or personally, that they became bigger because of it.
0: People have become bigger because they've come into contact with Trisha Brooke. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Thank you for hanging out with me and Trisha. If you enjoy that show, do leave us a review on iTunes. I hope you got your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. To connect with Trisha, theartofthebigtalk.com, and we'll link up all the other connections on social media. Trisha, thank you so much for being on the Business Generals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. Absolutely grateful. You are a true business general.
1: Thank you, Davis. It was my pleasure.
0: A message from our sponsors, instantvoicemails.com. Today in business, first impressions are so important. When people call you or your business, the first voice that they hear can make them form an opinion about you immediately. And instant voicemails can help with that. They provide professional, outgoing voicemail greetings in an instant. So simply go to instantvoicemails.com that's instantvoicemails.com and pick the message that suits you and your business and download it instantly. You can have a new professional outgoing message in just minutes. And for the listeners of the Business Generals Podcast you can get an additional 15% off your order by using the promo code GENERALS G-E-N-E-R-A-L-S GENERALS Order now at instantvoicemails.com That's instantvoicemails.com. Thanks, guys.